I'm excited about this message today. I'm always excited. I, I don't share that just out of uh, redundancy. It is a passion in my heart to be with you every Sunday and to open up God's Word to see the power, the life lessons, the life-changing transformation that is in this Word. So take your Bibles. We now find ourselves with the Israelites at the Jordan River. This is absolutely supernatural what we are about to see, and I'm so excited we finally made it to this point. We'll look forward to uh, joining them at the Jericho Wall uh, through some of the significant battles that they had to fight because the context is this. God said to Joshua, lead the Israelites. There were 31 kings who had armies much stronger than anything Joshua had. The people of Israel... Even though they were in the wilderness 40 years, they had not been preparing their military might so that when they entered the promised land, they would be at their best. Uh, I wish that were true, but it wasn't. So Joshua was confronted with a real challenge. And before he gets to one of those battles, he's got to deal with Jericho. But before he gets to Jericho, he comes to the Jordan. And I want to read all of chapter 3. You turn in your Bibles, please. Joshua chapter 3. And let's take these words to heart. It says, early the next morning, Joshua and all the Israelites left Acacia Grove and arrived at the banks of the Jordan River where they camped before crossing. Three days later, the Israelite officers went through the camp giving these instructions to the people. When you see the Levitical priests carrying the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God, move out from your positions and follow them. Since you have never traveled this way before, they will guide you. Stay about a half mile behind them, keeping a clear distance between you and the Ark. Make sure you don't come any closer. Then Joshua told the people, Purify yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do great wonders among you. In the morning, Joshua said to the priests, Lift up the Ark of the Covenant and lead the people across the river. And so they started out and went ahead of the people. The Lord told Joshua, Today I will begin to make you a great leader in the eyes of all the Israelites. They will know that I am with you just as I was with Moses. Give this command to the priests who carried the Ark of the Covenant. When you reach the banks of the Jordan River, take a few steps into the river, and stop there. So Joshua told the Israelites, Come and listen to what the Lord your God says. Today, you will know that the living God is among you. He will surely drive out the Canaanites, Hittites, Hivites, Perizzites, Girgashites, Amorites, and the Jebusites ahead of you. Look, the Ark of the Covenant, which belongs to the Lord of the whole earth, will lead you across the Jordan River. Now choose 12 men from the tribes of Israel, one from each tribe. The priests will carry the ark of the Lord of all the earth. As soon as their feet touch the water, the flow of water will be cut off upstream. And the river will stand up like a wall. Remember, he's saying this and none of it's happened yet. So the people, they left their camp to cross the Jordan. And the priests who were carrying the Ark of the Covenant went ahead of them. It was the harvest season, very important point here, and the Jordan was overflowing its banks. But as soon 
as the feet of the priests who were carrying the ark touched the water at the river's edge, the water above that point began backing up a great distance away at a town called Adam, which is near Zarethan. And the water below that point flowed on to the Dead Sea until the riverbed was dry. Then all the people crossed over near the town of Jericho. Meanwhile, the priests who were carrying the Ark of the Lord's Covenant stood on dry ground in the middle of the riverbed as the people passed by. They waited there until the whole nation of Israel had crossed the Jordan on dry ground. Can you say amen to the reading of God's Word? Memory is powerful. Memory can produce resilience. It can tighten focus. Memory is awesome. And so I want to give you a principle right at the beginning that will tie this entire message together. Note this in your heart. Write it down somewhere. It goes like this. When confronted with a challenge, choose to remember. When confronted with a challenge, choose to remember. It's God's way of saying, and we'll see it through this chapter... That he doesn't want anybody to forget about when we come to impossible places and he brings us through. For memory is powerful. It can produce resilience and faith. I want to ask you to consider your Jordan because we all have them. The Jordan in scripture is a metaphor for those obstacles that keep us from getting from where we are to where we want to be. Everybody has them. Just consider your Jordan. What is it right now? The Jordan is that obstacle, and we are taught in this text and on into chapter 4 that when you come to that place, remember, when you are confronted with a challenge, choose to remember. Well, what are we to remember when we come to that place? He said to Israel, You follow the Ark of the Covenant. Remember the Ark of the Covenant was the most important piece of furniture in that portable tabernacle. Why was it important? Because it was a visible symbol of the invisible God that they served. So it was the presence of God. Why was it important? Because inside the Ark of the Covenant, there were three things. One was tablets of stone. There was a pot of manna. And finally, Aaron's rod that had blossomed. Those three things are significant. The tablets of stone, that's God's word. Pot of manna, God's provision. Aaron's rod that had blossomed spoke of God's authority. Because back in Numbers 13 and 14, it was that rod that God used as a tool... To take authority over the authority of a plague that was destroying people. So when you come to your Jordan, choose to remember. What are you to remember? You are to remember God's promise, God's provision, and God's demonstrated authority in your past. 
Remember the word, the promise that God has given to you. Remember how God has provided for you and demonstrated his authority in your journey over the authority of the enemy's attack. When you are confronted with a challenge, choose to remember. Remember God's presence. God's presence as captured in his word, in the very promise that he's given you, not only in that promise, but his provision, not only in his provision, but demonstrated authority. That's When we're at the Jordan, we tend to forget what we should remember. And it is there that we needed to choose to remember very specifically God's presence. When you're at the Jordan, remember God's power. They came to the Jordan when it was at flood stage. Otherwise, it's about 100 feet wide. But they're there probably between April and May. It's at its highest and strongest. The current is flowing. So we learn really quick that at that moment, it couldn't have been a worse time to have to cross the Jordan. Isn't that interesting? That they would be there at the worst time of the year. It says that they camped out for three days before crossing. You know somebody in the group called a meeting and suggested, why don't we wait until September? You know, it's way too risky. I mean, life-threatening, impossible. What we learn here by the Israelites having to cross at flood stage is that there couldn't be a worse time. But we watch that God often does his best when times are at their worst. Why don't you write that down somewhere? Because when you come to your challenge, you need to choose to remember. What do you remember? God's presence. God's power. What do you mean by remembering God's power? The times where God has done his best when times were at their worst. Supernatural. Remember the supernatural power of God. We saw that at flood stage, God, once those priests stepped in, he rolled that water back like a wall. The ground became dry while the entire nation walked across. And after every one of the Israelites and the Levitical priests were safely across the Jordan, it is then that he released it back. Everything I just said, wall of water, dry ground, releasing, speaks of supernatural power. It speaks of timing that is precise. Every single aspect. Matter of fact, when you study this and you read it for yourself, there's about six signs of supernatural power just in the way God rolled back the Jordan River, when he rolled it back, when he released it. And, and I want to tell you, there are some, some preachers out there today that are taking the supernatural out of the text. And I've listened to people preach this as though it wasn't supernatural. There are six 
signs of the supernatural power of God in Joshua chapter 3 in just a few verses where he overcomes the Jordan. So when you are confronted with a challenge, choose to remember God's supernatural power. Defined as God at his best when times are at their worst. Amen? Remember God's greatness. Over in chapter 24, verse 24, I want to show you this verse. Here it is. He did this so that all the nations on earth might know that the Lord's hand is powerful. And so you might fear the Lord your God forever. I want to leave that verse up for a moment. After they had come through, they were ordered to get 12 stones, creating a memorial so that succeeding generations could also know, so they too could remember as they pursued their destiny and came to their challenges, they could choose to remember God's presence, God's power, and God's greatness. When you are at your Jordan... Remember God's greatness. Look at this verse. It says, He did this so all the nations of the earth might know that the Lord's hand is powerful. So that we might fear the Lord our God forever. When it says the Lord's hand is powerful, one word that would sum up God is awesome. I use the word awesome a lot. I use it for almost everything. But here is where the word really fits. Because we're talking about the Lord. Many versions capitalize every letter of the word Lord. And that is most accurate because it is speaking of Yahweh God who inserted himself in human predicament. Where we came to know him as Rapha, our healer. As Jehovah Jireh, our provider. As Jehovah Nisi, our banner, who like raised the standard as Joshua was fighting the Amalekites and Moses had his hands lifted in prayer, God gave great victory that day and it elevated his character and his nature. When we remember God's greatness, we're remembering he is the God who inserts himself. In our predicaments. And proves to be the awesome God. And then we fear him forever. And the word fear there opens up a word picture of worship. So when you come to your challenge. Let's call it your Jordan. You remember. God's presence. God's power. God's greatness. He's awesome. So I worship him. And I worship him notice forever. And ever, and ever. And it's interesting how people have even likened when your heart stops beating here and you take your first breath in heaven, they have likened it to just crossing the Jordan where you're right into the manifest presence of God where you will worship forever and ever and ever. That's the text. Let me give illustration. Kelly and I were so honored and challenged to become pastors of First Assembly in Pine Bluff back in the late 80s. We were 
22 and 23. So we had a Jordan. It was my home church, so I'm going to say the Jordan was at flood stage. Now let me tell you a little bit of the story. As we, we started in, it was just the most incredible experience being with those people and watching the church grow and watching God cause that facility we're in on 1313 Pine Street to be too small. So we started praying with the deacons and we got to this place where it was time to cast a vision, but we were going to need a year to communicate that vision because when it came fundraising time, we were going to need to raise funds for the plans and then to raise funds for the construction. So when we had gotten our thoughts together over several months and we came to that point to start casting vision, we would start casting vision in January and we had gone home for Christmas and we received a phone call just right before we came home for that first big victory Sunday that someone had broken into the church and they set the church on fire, specifically the offices. Specifically, the fire was started in my office. They opened my center desk drawer and set everything in that center desk drawer on fire, and the fire spread from there. I really ticked that church member off, whoever it was. And so the fire raged through the offices. Now, the reason I tell you this is because we had a printing press because one of our staff members had formerly been a printer, and so we had a printing press, and all of our materials would be printed in-house. So we were set to just release all of this information. We had printed week by week to start getting the word out, and we lost everything. All of our equipment, our computers, all the offices. In, in a matter of days, the entire pastoral staff was in one room with fold-out tables, Extension cords, that's all we had. But here's what came into my heart. Hey God, this couldn't have happened at a worse time. This, you know, is bad no matter when. But Lord, this is such a strategic time. This couldn't be at a worse time. We came back in at the news of that fire. That was the latter part of the week. We were a couple of days from Sunday This crew came in and had to remove all of the cushions from... Back then we had pews because they were filled with smoke. They cleaned as much as they could, put all these machines to try and get as much of the smoke smell out of the building over 48 hours. And we had church anyway. We had a few rooms and the auditorium. And the people came in that day, and I will never forget, in my heart I'm thinking, this... Fire couldn't have happened at a worse time. And I watched as it seemed to ignite a spiritual fire of resolve within that congregation. And the saints of that church, who had been in that church, that building was was built back in the 60s. They came in as if to say, we've been here before. We've seen hard times. We've seen challenges. And so we're going to choose to remember The presence of God, the demonstrated authority of God over our history. And the same God of then is with us now. And somehow God's going to do his best work in what seems to be the worst of challenges. Praise the Lord. And he did it. 
It was like awesome. When I walk through the building, I'm trying to, you know, get some light moment. And I look at Kelly and I said, well, we've always wanted to pastor a church on fire. But that, that was really not what we had in mind. And, and actually, spiritually, a fire was lit within that church. And there was just a, a determined winning spirit in the atmosphere. Well, now let's unfold. The communication had been done toward the end of that year. We had, with leaders, visited every family in the church, communicated specifically the vision, had this huge banquet, brought in former pastors. Now we are ready for this great victory day where we're going to pledge financially. And on that Sunday, on the way to church early that morning, it starts snowing. It rarely snowed in Pine Bluff, maybe once a year at the most, very little. But because we didn't get a lot of snow, it didn't take a lot to shut that town completely down. But that was a more substantial snow on a Sunday. And as I'm there watching the snow come down, I'm saying, God, this couldn't be at a worse time. This could not be, I can't think of a Sunday, Lord. We've got 50 more Sundays to go, and, and any one of them would be better than this. I can't think of a worse time for this to happen. It cut our crowd in half. While I'm preaching, I have the enemy on one side of my brain talking to me, while like out of the other side of my brain, I'm preaching right from the book of Joshua. We had these boxes that we had used to create, to be put into certain places as we raise money. Because at the end of that service, my finance guy was going to come right down front with a calculator. We are going to count the money on the spot. And every 10,000 increment, we would place another box until it was all built. And it gave ultimately the picture of a church. While I'm preaching at half of the attendance, knowing that we've got to raise a lot of money that I didn't think that all of us could do. Like on a good Sunday. You know, you have a lot of people come to church on a good Sunday. The problem is you never have a good Sunday. Well, we were having the worst of times. It's snowing. There's half of the people. And while I'm preaching to them, I literally have the enemy... In, in my head saying, are you going to go through with this? You realize that when you raise the money and they're through county, you're going to have like half of this done. You're, you're going to have to change the name to Half Assembly of God Church. From first to half, we're going the wrong way. I, I had that thought. In my, you're going to become Half Assembly of God. You needed high motivation. You're going to have no motivation. You needed high morale. You're going to have low morale because you, you're going to get just part of the way and, and I'm, I'm preaching and hearing all of that at the same time saying, God, this couldn't have happened at a worse time. And at the end of the sermon, and it's time to start the giving, my finance guy comes down, his name, Jerry Dorch, and as he walked down with his calculator, before he sat down, he looked at me and he goes, this isn't going to be good. And then he sits down. So here we go. With half of the crowd, 
he starts adding and he finally looks up as if to say, we're at our first 10,000. I'm like, oh God. We're, oh, this is. And I'm talking to you about a supernatural miracle. Because that day we got over what we had believed in a huge cash offering and pledges for that facility. And I watched God do his best work at what, for me, was the absolute worst of situations. The obstacle, the combination of all that had gone, it couldn't have been worse. And I'm standing here today telling you that God did it. He absolutely did it. Amazing. It is the weirdest feeling to be standing behind a pulpit, and yet there's part of you that's like talking back like, you know this is not going to work. And you're preaching through that. You're trying to trust, but man, this thing's at flood stage. When you come to your challenge, you choose to remember God's presence. God demonstrated authority. He demonstrated authority over the obstacle of the fire damage, over the obstacle of the snow taking out half of our crowd. He demonstrated authority. He reminded me of the promise. At that point, all I have is his promise. Joshua said to the people, here's the way this is going to unfold. But nobody had seen it unfold. And when you have to put your feet in, a, in the river that's at flood stage, that's, that's the moment where part of you says, you're crazy. And yet you have this promise. You have past provision." What I'm preaching that day was again out of the book of Joshua. And I'm reminded of what it was like that Sunday after the fire damage. I had to reach back and pull from... I had nothing of the present of which to draw. I had to go back and find his promise and the provision of the past and demonstrated authority of God in the past where he overcame in the worst of times to give me any level of resilience and faith... When you are confronted with a challenge, you got to choose to remember. Choose to remember. Just a few miles away from that relocated church, there's a cemetery, and my papa's buried there, my mamaw's buried there, my brother is buried there. Three of the most influential people of my life. My papa was an encourager. He was he was a tough guy, but he was a real encourager. My mamaw, I've told you about her, a spiritually devout woman. Very loving, but, you know, just one of those, those spiritually dynamic people. And they would come to my baseball games. They wouldn't go up in the bleachers. They couldn't navigate those. They had their little lawn chairs, and they sat right at the fence. So when I'd come out of the dugout to go bat, I would come right by my mamaw and papa, and my papa would say, Hit that ball, boy! And my mamaw would have a hand stretched toward me and she'd be praying. Listen, in tongues. 
So I come out, hit that ball, boy, shot, ta, ta, ta. And, and I, I realized I was getting the interpretation. She was praying in tongues. The interpretation was, hit that ball, boy. So it was very biblical. So I have this, this rich, incredible heritage. And there have been times I had to go out to Brown Cemetery. And I know it's just the bodily remains. They're, they're in heaven. But I went out to where those memorial stones are. I talked about the beginning point of her life and his life. And that dash in the middle. And it's as though heritage would rush over me. And before coming here, any major decisions, I would go there because I think one attitude you got to come to when you're facing a Jordan is you got to try to hear the voice of God. You're going to need the dominance of that voice to push out those other voices that would like to tell you you're crazy. You shouldn't do this. You should wait till September. It's flood stage. This is the worst of times. There's, there's got to be a better time. And you're going to need the dominance of God's voice. And as I would go and just consider the life of those great influential people, I reflect on when my mamaw looked at me and she said, look, you have got to stack up the situations in your life to where like the disciples who were on the Sea of Galilee, when Jesus calmed the storm, they said, "Here's what they, they said, what kind of man is this that even the wind and the waves obey him? You cannot know that, Ron, as she would talk to me, unless you come to something that's way out of your control. When you are overwhelmed and hemmed in and frustrated and have no options, when you are at the Jordan, and she said these words to me, you go ahead and step in and trust the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Heritage. The force of heritage. And this generation and succeeding generations, they need to know when faced with a challenge, just remember. Just remember God's presence. God's power. God's greatness. Remember. Until you are willing to take a step that seems in the natural, absurd, huge, Maybe crazy, maybe ridiculous, maybe unbelievable. When you're confronted with the impossible. When it's the worst of times. Don't forget what you should remember. Because it's then. It's then. That's significant to the story. If Israel doesn't cross the Jordan, they miss their future. What do you miss? 
If you don't confront your challenge, what is your Jordan? What is your challenge? Don't shrink back. Acknowledge the emotions of fear or just all of the things that rush in over you. But, but put your heart before God until you can be overwhelmed. When I talk about godly heritage, don't just go back to your parents or your grandparents. Go on back to the father of the faith. We sit here in this church today in a long line of unfolding redemptive history that goes back to Abraham who didn't know what was going to happen when he was led by God to take Isaac to the altar. A Moses who's on a mountain while his protege Joshua is fighting for his life in the valley. And Moses lifted his hands and called out to God and the power of God rushed into that valley. And gave Joshua the victory. A David who stepped out on a battlefield. And had nothing of the present. To motivate his faith. He had to go back to the God of his past. Who brought provision over the lion and the bear. Whose presence was made real. Who demonstrated authority over the attack. And that's what he remembered when he confronted Goliath. And you know the story. He brought that giant down. And Israel ran into their future with a great momentum. We need to stack up. Stack up. The stories we're going to need to cash in. On those stories of our heritage. So that we can pay the price. At the present Jordan. There's always a new devil. At the next level. And the, the cost. Of defeating the devil at the last level. Was the purchase price. Listen. Of the anointing. The resilience. And the faith. To face down the new devil at the new level. You don't ever waste an experience. You may have come through with bruises. But I'm telling you, I pastored a church. I pastored now for like ever, it seems. Like 24 years. And I have long sleeves because I don't want you to see. I've got all the scars to prove it. You know what I'm saying. If you've lived any length of time. But here's the deal. I'm 46. And rather than talking to you about scars, I want to talk to you about testimony. A God who has shown up. A God who has proven himself. A God who has made a way. A God who has demonstrated his greatest power. In those worst of times. And so I'm motivated today. To say let's conquer. What is your Jordan? What story might be in the making. That God's going to use. To fuel someone's faith in the future. Where are you right now? What are you up against? What is your challenge? Because when you are faced with a challenge and you choose to remember God's presence 
God's power, and God's greatness. You take a step of faith, and you experience God's best at your worst, and the breakthrough happens. God makes a way, and it stands as another deposit in the victory bank so that when you get out here to another Jordan, you can make a withdrawal from what God did then to say, he can do it again. He can do it again. I want every one of you not to know about God. I want you to know God. I don't want you to know about miracles. I want you to experience miracles so that you can stack up the stories that cause you to say, what kind of man is this? That even the wind and the waves obey him. Fire damage is not too difficult for him. Snowy day on a Sunday is not too difficult for him. I'm telling you, it is not too, whatever it is, marital challenges, financial challenges, emotional challenges, physical challenges, they are not too difficult. I felt to say this. I wrote it down on my notes. It's on my heart. I believe, I believe this is a word of the Lord. God wants to demonstrate his power. Listen, he wants to demonstrate his power in your life. Let's pray.